This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast eliminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is underwritten by Syraclad. The Syraclad Rainscreen Fiber Cement Siding System, a proven track record of performance in Japan for nearly 40 years. Zero chemicals, triple coated and factory finished color layering. The ceramic and photocatalytic coat provides 365 day self-cleaning and a 20 year fade limited warning. This high performance siding system serves as an honored innovation with parent company Panasonic and Kubota. For more information, please visit Syraclad.com. Our guest today, we're really honored and excited to welcome Susan Dwyer, NCARB architect and co-CEO at H. Hendy. Susan has played a significant leadership role at H. Hendy and has over 20 years of real world and industry experience. You can find them on the web at hhendy.com. That's hhendy.com. Susan Thank you for being here. We're really honored, and I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you very much, Tom. We're very excited as well. <laughs> Susan, do you have a, a quote or a mantra or a favorite saying that kind of resonates a little bit personally or professionally? Love to hear it, and your audience would too. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, for me, it's really just do the right thing always. When you do the right thing, I've learned, you know, in my life, both professionally and personally, things just fall into place. The, 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 the end result occurs just by doing the right thing. You don't have to be, you know, bottom line driven, um, looking at, um, uh, at numbers, essentially, you know, as, as a business, if you treat your employees well, they do well for the clients. Um, so I've just found that, that doing that and really kind of making sure that, that all of our team members and personally in my own life, um, uh, that that good tends to come from that, and and when you don't focus on kind of the bottom line, and and actually, I'll give you one example. When I was in college, actually, okay. it was I think it was my junior year in college, and I said to myself, you know, I am not going to, I'm not going to think about the grades. I don't care if I I want to I want to pass, but I don't care if it's a C, if it's an A, if it's a B minus, whatever it is. This whole semester, all I'm doing is focusing on learning. That's it. And so interestingly enough, I actually forgot, if you believe it or not, Tom, I forgot to check my grades. So I was about at least two weeks past the the time where you're supposed to call in. And back then you didn't get a report card. You didn't have an internet to to log in and get your grades. Um, I had to call in and get my grades. So I said, oh no, what if I didn't pass? You know, I better make sure that I'm I'm showing up. I don't need to redo any classes. And I had an, I had an idea I had passed, but it was the first time ever. So as I was listening to my grades, it was it was a a a straight A's, not a single A minus. And, you know, and, and I really hadn't tried to get the A. I just really took the purpose of learning and growing to heart. And I, I, I got that anyways, you know, and, and if I didn't, it was going to be okay. I just wanted to pass. I just wanted to learn and truly kind of get that information in order to, um, you know, grow. So seeing that there was just really very powerful to me in that moment going, you know, I, I need to apply this. I need to apply this into my, you know, um, my personal life, my professional life, 
And we found here at Handy that that's, and we actually have um, something called intentional culture, very, very strong culture here at our office. I've been here for 18 years, going on 19. And um, what's kept me here and what I love about it, and, and the reason why I took on this position is the culture of the firm. So this this mantra it actually is one of the values that we have built into this inten- intentional culture. It's do the right thing always. In every action, every decision, you have a choice. Do what's right and tell the truth, especially when no one is looking. No matter the consequences, no exceptions, no excuses, no compromises. And if you mess up, it's okay. You're only human. Just own it, apologize, and make it right. Wow. That, that is very uh, intrinsic. Where can you trace that back? I mean, you terrific story about how your college experience was about learning and how you received excellent marks because of it. If you can pinpoint either a, a moment, a galvanizing moment or a time and place in your life personally, Susan, where did that kind of really get you? Like it really mattered to you? I mean, in that, in that specific instance, it was a very clear, you know, over six months, the, the intent and the results, um, what, what was, was pretty much a six month, um, uh, timeline, if you will. Um, professionally, it's, there's lots of examples too. I, I, I wouldn't be able to say if there was a single moment in time ahead of that, that it just kind of struck that this is what I wanted to do. Or, you know, my parents were off, of course, always, you know, that was the mantra going forward. It's just, you know, always do the right thing. Don't, don't, um, don't fib, don't, you know, ha- have the right intent, essentially. And, and, um, and again, professionally, you've got an angry, angry client, you've got a mistake that that occurred on a project, rather than starting to blame people and trying to say, it's not my fault, we're not paying for it, you just kind of go straight into the the solution, the problem solving. And typically, that works out well, too, everyone kind of cools off and realizes if you all have the same thing, the same goal in mind, which is a happy client, happy project, you do the right thing for whatever it is that you're doing. Um, it just tends to, can't say every single time it's going to happen, but it does seem to tend to um, really be a, a much better result. I think most people want to do the right thing. So it resonates. Wow. I'm just fascinated so much by, by that and how it leads into other facets of your life. It, it, it can work in any, that intentional culture. Is that something, a phrase you coined or, uh, because I've not heard of so that. So it's something that. Our, our, because our office was very, very culture heavy, very positive um, culture. And, and since I started, I'll say since I started working here at Handy, actually, since I started the industry, I've worked at two other places. The first place, I love the culture. And I realized um, when someone that was in a leadership, leadership position left, um, the culture changed. And so I decided to to move on because I didn't quite fit that culture. The second place I went to, I didn't I didn't fit the culture, and I knew really kind of early on this was this was not a good fit for me. Um, both great companies, it's just the culture was, was was something that really mattered significantly. I got to Handy, and it just felt like home. It just felt like the values were in line. Um, and again, eighteen years, the culture hasn't changed. It's only gotten stronger. And, you know, we have, I, I have to thank the founder, quite honestly, Heidi Handy for that. It's something that, you know, culture does start at the leadership level. And as long as you are, and, and the thing with intentional culture is what it means is that you are really being very intentional about making sure that your values of, the, of your company align and that you're constantly making sure that people understand what that is and 
um, constant communication, reinforcement. Um, and so with that, it's, it's something that's actually kept me here. And, and the one thing that we hear from a lot of the people that are here is, is what is it about Hendy that keeps you here? We've got a lot of long timers here and it's the people, it's the, it's the culture. The people, the culture, you, you, I was going to ask you that and you went right into it, which is so vital at some point, I don't know, you're giving away secret sauce. Can you tell if someone is almost a handy, I mean, I don't know if there's such an acronym, but like a, a handy kind of person. You know, um, we, what we ended up doing this last year is we did write it down because we said, okay, we've all been saying this forever, right? So we love the culture. What is it about Hendy that that is the secret sauce? And quite honestly, we we just recently became an, an employee-owned stock um, option company and an ESOP in January. So going through a transition where a company, the original founder wants to retire and is looking at many different options, selling the company. She had many different suitors that came in and wanted to buy. It was interesting because I think in her own heart, she wanted to have it become an ESOP because that also maintained the culture. And the employees loved that as well because, you know, you, you get to continue and it, it's a gift back to everyone that works here, essentially, um, you know, given given a certain amount of years and then putting your time and really continuing that culture is a benefit that goes back to the employees. So it, it ties back to that people centric culture, essentially. But so what, what we what we did, I, I digress. What we did is we actually did get into room and say, OK, what is it that that makes our culture? And we came up with. Um, the values. We wrote it all down, actually. And 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 some of it is it are items that we do really well, and some of it are items that we continue to strive for. But by actually putting it down into words, we're able to share it with everybody, get feedback, and have it be kind of a constant reminder of what it is that we're trying to be. Um, and as we're interviewing, as we are also, you know, looking at yearly HR uh, reviews for, for staff, we're able to look back at that at that intentional culture and see how are you fitting in and are your growth areas in line with that? Can you share with us some of your uh, experiences with your clients or is there a thread of a mindset or an attitude of all your clients? I know there could be in different marketplaces, different industries, but is there a kind of a common thread or connection with your clients insofar as attitude or culture as well? Absolutely. Absolutely, because I mean, and so some of these I'll, I'll I'll name off a few that are good internally, but also externally. So one is communicate to be understood. You know, be really clear with your communication. You know, we believe that ninety five percent of all problems really do stem to communication. So if your communication skills are well established and it's something that you can practice upon, um, that's something that will help our clients. Um, Believe in positive intent is one that's really both, you know, internal or external. If you're having a bad day, you can have a bad project or something happens and quickly people start venting. It's like, no, 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 you know, believe in that positive intent that don't immediately believe that someone's out to get you or, you know, that, that change <laughs> order is coming is inappropriate. So think about, um, think about, you know, that, that positive intent. And I, and, and I do think that that's something that, that, that is a way to give back to the clients as well. And they, and they do see that, that by, by, you know, ensuring that we are pushing these values internally and externally, that their projects are actually also being much more successful. Excellent. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. Our guest today is Susan 
Dwyer, NCARB architect and co-CEO at Handy. You can find them on the web at hhendy.com. Again, that is hhendy.com. As the, uh, an ESOP company, that's obviously very intentional <laughs> uh, to want to do that. It's, what was your experience like, if you're at liberty to share, in that actually happening? You know, it, it's a funny story. We actually, before it happened, we had an offsite leadership retreat. We included quite a good amount of people. You know, maybe 40% of the people, the managers, the senior designers, the leadership group. And, you know, talking to everybody about the, the intention of turning into an ESOP and what that means for an organization, it does mean that you do need to grow as a company. You need to grow for an ESOP to be successful. Um, what does that mean to us? Because everyone has been here because of the culture and the people and, and looking across the room, almost everyone had their arms folded and the body language was, I don't want change. I don't want this to grow. The culture, the people are what keep me here. And if this becomes a giant organization that's growing so quickly, that is bottom line driven because now you've got, you know, the, if, even though it's the employees, it's stocks, right? So you have to kind of look at growing it in, for, in order for the value to increase. Um, how does that change the culture? So we bec- we learned quite quickly that that it was, it, it actually reinforced how important the culture was because that was the one thing that, that kept people very concerned about it turning into an ESOP. Um, and we established that you know, we would only grow as as fast as our culture allows, where the culture doesn't change. So if we start growing a little bit too much, and, and another reason why we actually have the, you know, these values that are set, and we actually, we lifted out when we came down to it, it was 28, 28 different comments that are values, if you will, yeah. um, that it, it's a way to keep the leadership team accountable as well, because we want to make sure that we uphold that promise to the employees that we're only going to grow as quickly as the culture allows. And if we are starting to see any of these start to wane, then then it's a good moment to stop, stabilize before you continue to grow. And growth is really important. because It's not just because of the stock value. It's really, if you think about it, it's for, for your people. If you have a good team, you have a manager, they've got someone supporting them, that supporting person is growing and showing that they want to you know, further their career, you have to grow in order to give that person a position. So once everyone kind of realized that, you know, they're a growth mindset is important to the people. If you, if you want your people there, you know, they, they, they want to be able to grow into the next position, grow in their career. Um, you can't wait until someone who never wants to leave, leaves the company for, for a position to open. So, so this kind of, of, of attitude towards growth kind of started to shift once people realized that this is something that is essential for um, the culture as well. It's just something that we have to be really mindful of how we do. I'm going to say, uh, ask you a question that's a bit off the beaten path, Susan, but it's still relevant. Sure. We've talked a lot about the culture and the growth and the, the principles and the values. In my opinion, what you're, what you're doing at Hendy can be transferable to virtually every company. What's mm-hmm. your thought on that? I would agree. I would absolutely agree. And, and even our clients. So, so um, one, one of the biggest trends that we would actually see with, with, um, with our clients today is branding. And so we would see that actually prior to COVID, maybe about 10% of clients 
had interest in, in having their space manifest that brand, if you will, in the design terms. Now, you know, post-COVID, because so many people were working from home and that that kind of lack of connecting to that brand and that culture and that, that personality of the company um, was a real thing that almost 90, 95% of every client that we talked to going forward asks for how do you design a space that where you can actually feel the culture, the brand of the, of the company and the business as you walk through. Wow. To actually be able to, to express that through your work without verbalizing it. Right. And in, and in, in the design um, solution is going to be a little bit different. You're not going to necessarily be putting, you know, um, um, designing towards truth. I mean, you, <laughs> you're going to be designing towards the brand of the company. Truth might be in a different way where, where you're utilizing actual materials. If it's wood, you know, you're making sure that it's real wood and it's genuine. So there are ways to do that in the space, but it's also connecting the brand of, of maybe what it is that they're selling. One, one example is we recently did a, um, a recent project for 511 Tactical Gear. Mm, wow. And we designed their break room with material from the actual brand itself. So the, the booth material um, was from the backpacks or the, 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 the material of the, of the clothing. So it was a way to kind of immerse that brand throughout as well. And then we actually also did Monster Energy Corporate Headquarters a while back. And what we did for them is um, we came up with the idea of bringing in uh, their BMX riders or their, their sponsored riders. They did these wheelies throughout the, the, the concrete floor mm. before any of the walls were built. But we sealed the concrete floor and then built the walls on top of it. So as you're walking through the space, it looks like you've got these you know motorcycle marks throughout. Mm. Oh, jeez. Um, the framed art there was the broken bones of the sponsored writer. So that goes back to the brand. It's, 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 <laughs> there are very clever ways to actually really make you feel like you are going through these spaces and connecting to the culture, the, the brand, if you will, I guess. It's that connecting to the brand of the company. Oh, how do you, is there, with again, with the, the secret sauce, how do you do that? Or is there a formal process that you go through to capture the essence of another's brand? There is actually, we have different things that we do. We have a visioning session that's actually very, um, it, it's probably one, one of my favorite parts of, of our process. But honestly, that's something that we've done post COVID. We've learned how to do it in real time with um, Mural and where, where you've got maybe up to 20 different people that are, that are interactive in the session. And we go through different, how might we questions? How might we uh, create a space that better connects the employee to the brand. And we have the different people that work there and, and it's a cross section of the company. It could be anyone from, you know, someone who just recently started the CEO. Um, you want to make sure that there's someone from, from different areas of the company. And sometimes actually if the CEO doesn't, doesn't come, it's better because people are a little bit more comfortable to answer the question, <laughs> but we go through these different visioning exercises where we ask these questions and everyone anonymously types at the same time. There's images, you put red dots and green dots. So quite quickly, we can kind of really hone in to some of the really important questions that um, that help us as designers bring out whatever that is that is really important to the client. What's their response? I'm curious. What's the response when they go, how did you guys gauge this? So They love it. 
They absolutely love it. And we actually had one of our clients that we did one for them. It was 20 people. And they said, you know what? That wasn't enough. We want to get another two sessions. So we came back and did another, another focus group session for the, for another 20 and then another one for their, their, a third 20. And then, and they, they absolutely love it. And it's a really good way to inhibit, um, change management mm. as well. So by getting you know, by getting the employees feedback and and buy in at the beginning of the project, and there's a lot of thoughts that actually come out of it. There's certain certain comments that even the leadership team may not have realized um, that come out of this exercise. And you know, we we do start off saying, you can ask for the the, the pony, you can ask for the the pool. <laughs> not everything can be can be accommodated, but there are some really good nuggets that do come out of it. And, um, and, and so, so it, like, I, like I said, it's, it's definitely one of my favorites and, and our clients tend to really enjoy it as well. This is fantastic. You're listening to the architecture and innovation podcast. Our, uh, public service announcement for today's show with Susan is the community action partnership with orange County or the OC food bank. Uh, the OC Food Bank is a program of community action partnership of Orange County, which unites communities to end hunger and malnutrition by partnering with more than 300, 300 local entities, soup kitchens, and community organizations. For more information, feel free to visit their website at capoc.org. That's capoc.org. Again, our guest today for uh, our show is uh, Susan Dwyer, NCARB architect and co-CEO at Handy. For more information, feel free to visit them at their website at hhandy.com, hhandy.com. Susan, with the, within the last couple of years, um, businesses have changed quite a bit. What's been your What's changed in the last, say, two years at Handy that, uh, or accelerated change at Handy that was different, say, in the previous year since you've been there for you know, over 18 years? I would say over the last two years, um, really being able to work anywhere. And and that's something that was, was occurring before COVID. We were actually, we, we actually did the very first activity-based project here in Orange, Orange County. And what that basically means is that you don't necessarily, necessarily have to have your individual desk mm. at, a, at an office. You can take your laptop, go work in the break room. You can go work in a, in a quiet room. You can go work in the, in, in um, a collaborative setting. It truly is work anywhere. And what, what's happened with COVID is everyone had to quite quickly and then learn, you know, probably in two weeks, how do you do this in order to free your, for your business to continue? And a lot of the leadership from different companies before COVID were saying, you know, this, this isn't something that you can do, but with COVID, it became apparent that you can do it. Um, and so I would say that that's the single most changed item. We're seeing that most businesses are having people come into the office three days a week and work from home two days a week. Mm. The, the two days at home are more of the focused type of work while the three days are the interactive, the collaborative. It's kind of that brand immersion, getting that cultural feel again when you're there in the office space. Go back to that brand immersion, because I think that's a very real, a very real essence that you're capturing a, a lot of factors into it and making it be a part of everything, especially at Handy. Are you able to turn it off at all? Even when you when you go home, when you do what you do? Because it's just, it's so, 
like a part of your being in a way. I don't know if I'm reaching you. Tell me if I am, but it just seems like a part of your being, but it's a good thing. It's actually a very, very good thing, yeah. but it's like a part yeah. of who you are. What's your thought? It is. It is really. I mean, my entire career has been work- workplace predominantly, but um, it, it is. And I, and I do get to turn it off. And my husband d- does that sometimes say, you know, change the topic. Okay. <laughs> uh, we don't need to learn about it. Going to the restaurants are sometimes difficult because you look around and you pinpoint certain things that you see, you know, design wise, but um, it is something that's a passion. And so, so it doesn't feel like work um, when I think about it, but that's a, an interesting I don't know if that answers you do, your question. You, you answer it because even what I'm doing here is <laughs> the host and producing these shows to me, it's, it's, I left passion a long time ago. It's on obsession now, but, but it's, <laughs> I don't know what else to do in that. There's not another vocation or profession I'd rather do truly, but it becomes just a part of your being. You're part of your whole essence. And, and uh, when that happens, so many people profit from it. They really do. 100%. You know, in your yeah. family, everybody profits from you having a, a real focus, a drive and a, and a meaning, a meaning. That's a word. And speaking of that word, meaning, let's just on uh, this. It sounds like, to me like just the talking with you, Susan, there's a, a high level of fulfillment, not just a success. What's your thought on that? I would completely agree. Um, what we do, what I do here is something that, that has really been a passion of mine from day one. I remember my first day on the job. I, I still remember my first, um, bosses would kind of look at me and say, you know, you're bright eyed and bushy tailed and the excitement of being able to be at work <laughs> and do the things that might seem mundane. Um, but it's something that's just been a, a, a passion to create spaces that are, are, are creative and that will impact people's lives. I mean, you're, you're at your workplace and at, at offsite locations, um, especially work, a lot of times more than you are, you know, sure. at home potentially. So to be able to, to touch these spaces and create a workflow, a, a, a more, a more, um, engaging and more process driven and just efficient structure in someone's life for the day is something that really is, is, is exciting to me. What would you like to share, Susan, with your audience today that we may not have touched on? I would say to, you know, um, that's a good question. I would say, you know, always be looking for ways to get something or, or, or be positive about a situation. I think in these times, especially it's difficult, you know, you talk of a recession, talk of COVID for a number of years, talk of a war, but always going to be looking at, at a different way of, of coming at an angle or a solution. Um, it might be as simple as just talking to someone and practicing a skill, um, whatever it is, if you have the growth mindset and, and again, kind of doing something that is for the right reason, I think that there's a lot of fulfillment that comes out of that and a lot of peace of mind. I love it. Fulfillment and peace of mind. Susan, it's been a real honor and pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Really. I'd love to have you on sometime in the near future if you're open to it. Would love to do it again. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much, Susan. Thank you. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. Our guest today has been Susan Dwyer. NCARB architect and co-CEO at Hendy. For more information, feel free to visit their website at hhendy.com. That's hhendy.com. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is recorded at the offices of Sierra Clad in Redmond, Washington, and on location. 
The executive producer and host of the show is uh, yours truly, Tom Dioro. Our chief audio engineer is Eris Chikopoulos. We look forward to you joining us again next time. Thank you for listening. Cereclad is a high-performance fiber cement siding system in one size with triple coat technology and 365 days of self-cleaning, along with a 20-year fade limited warranty. Cereclad also offers hundreds of design options. For more information, feel free to visit cereclad.com.